Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of the prophet Isaiah, reading in chapter 55. Isaiah 55, starting at verse 12, found on page 1149 in your pew Bibles. Let's pray. Lord God, would you open our understanding, open our ears, open our hearts. that we might be changed by your word. Amen. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, the man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain. I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off, And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord and to worship him, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Cheryl. I've not been 
to England myself, at least at this point in my life. Some of you have, so you may recognize what I'm going to say in just a moment. A few years back, I went to a, a conference where uh, the main speaker was sharing his experience of stepping onto the, the uh, subway system in London for the first time. And as he's coming up and getting ready to walk in, he hears this lovely voice over the speaker say, Mind the gap. Mind the gap. And it repeats. And, and he steps on, but each time, as the doors open, he hears that same voice saying, mind the gap. And finally, he just turned around and said, what is she talking about? <laughs> mind the gap is, is a statement that's, that's said as a cautionary note because there is a, a gap in the ground between the train that you're on and the platform you're stepping onto. And just be careful that you don't trip, that you don't trip over that gap. This transition, uh, this space in Isaiah has a gap, and it was a gap for the people of Israel. Isaiah 55 culminates 15 chapters of God saying, I forgive you, I reconcile you, I'm drawing you back to myself, you are going to flourish in the land. It is often, that section is often known as second Isaiah among the scholars. You see, first Isaiah, that, that first set of chapters, chapters 1 through 39 in Isaiah, and this is probably a little more of the scholarship than we normally go into in a service, but that, that first 39 chapters is, is digging deep into God saying, here's my judgment. The world has not been following me, and people of Israel, you have not followed me. And this is what's going to happen. And, and he lays out a, a harsh word at times. There's words of promise and words of hope in it. God's going to raise up the root of Jesse, and that language of, of the promise of a Messiah comes in those first 39 chapters, but a lot of that 39 chapters is a word of judgment saying, people of Israel people of the world around Israel, you have turned from God and walked away. Chapter 40, however, begins this section of God's grace, which we read the last two verses of, but that section of God's grace, abundant, lavish grace, begins with, comfort, comfort, my people, says the Lord. And in the midst of the judgment and saying, this is what is wrong, we hear God's grace breaking in. And there is such a shift in the language that some scholars say it can't be the same person writing it. And so you enter into to second Isaiah, as they call it, where there's this grace that's coming after the words of judgment. But there is a transition that happens at the end of 55 and the start of 56. And, and it's as if, if, if we need to say, mind the gap here. Be careful that we don't get tripped up on it. Because it was a barrier that tripped up the people of Israel. At the end of chapter 55, they're hearing this culmination of the word to grace and, and either have just arrived back from exile or they're just about to head back to the promised land. Their years of hard service, their years of being separated from the land and, 
and in some sense feeling as if they are separated from God have come to an end. And they're about to go back into the land. It's, it's as if they're, they're on this, this train ride and they're going along and, and they see the platform coming. It's, it's that long trip home and they see that trip home coming and, and they feel the train slowing down and they're ready to get off and the conductor says, just about there, platform the promised land is up next. All those who are getting off here, be ready. And they're excited and, and you feel it in the train, the excitement, the enthusiasm building and then, then they... The conductor says, oh, one more thing. When you get off and you re-enter the promised land, maintain justice. Everybody goes, yeah, 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 yeah. We've heard that since Moses' time. Okay, got it. And one more thing. Keep the Sabbath. Okay, okay, we know the rules of the land. Maintain justice, keep the Sabbath. And then the conductor says, one more thing. Those who were foreigners are going to be allowed to be priests. And you hear the train go silent. The doors open and nobody steps out. The foreigners. The foreigners weren't allowed to be priests. They weren't even allowed to enter the temple area. And they were kept back for ten generations. Ten generations after a foreigner committed themselves, by the law, they were not allowed to enter in to be part of the community. They were kind of fringe members and tolerated folks who, who lived on the edges but not fully part of the body, not fully part of God's people. They were... They were allowed to kind of watch from the sidelines. And now, the conductor, as, as they're stepping back into the promised land, the conductor says, even the, even the foreigners will be allowed to preach. Things have changed. They're going to be allowed to serve as ministers of God's covenant. You've got to imagine the foreigners who happen to be on that train kind of excited about this but the bulk of God's people said wait a minute that's not right that's not how things are done in the land didn't we have to leave the land because we didn't do things the way they were supposed to be done and now you're telling me foreigners can be priests conductor says one more thing eunuchs are going to be in the temple and they're going to have a name in the temple that's like God's name. And they're going to have a name that is everlasting, better than if they had descendants of their own. God's name being put on eunuchs. Eunuchs were also singled out in the Old Testament as people who could not serve in the temple. They were considered unclean. They were not allowed in. And suddenly, as the people are heading into the promised land, full of God's grace, full of God's salvation, recognizing God has blessed them and set them free, and they are about to trip over this gap. How can the people who have been excluded suddenly be included? 
How can there be room for those who are foreigners in God's covenant? How can there be room for, for eunuchs to have a name like God's name in the temple? Well, that blessing we give at the end of the service. The Lord bless you and keep you or make his face shine upon you. Literally, the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you, essentially look you in the eyes and give you his peace. The very next verse says, and in this way, Aaron the high priest and those with him will put my name on my people. It's seen as the ultimate blessing in the Old Testament to have those words said to God's people. It's the ultimate affirmation that they truly belong to God. And suddenly, that covenantal blessing, that intimate relationship with God, is no longer just for these group of people, this, this one tribe of people. Suddenly, God's name being identified with God, being in relationship with God, is thrown wide open. Maintain justice. Yeah, we can handle that. Keep the Sabbath. Yeah, we'll handle that. We don't know about the foreigners and the eunuchs and letting other people get access to God the way we've had access to God. You're asking too much, God. One of the commentators I was reading said it's as if they forgot everything from chapter 40 to 55. The people of Israel fearing others being allowed in as if it is if they read chapters 1 through 39 somehow assumed God allowed them back in and started with 56 and said something's wrong. They didn't recognize yet how deep and wide and high and long was the love of God in those chapters in between. It's as if they went from this is what's wrong to this is how we're going to live and we have to do it right. Otherwise, we're going to get kicked out again. And they skipped over this whole middle ground of God's lavish and abundant grace. It's the challenge for us, too. It's the challenge for us, too, to say, who belongs in the body of Christ? Who do we allow to have access to God? Culture and the church history has a whole list of people that we have found ways to exclude and push away and say, you have no place among God's people. Again and again, the church has done this throughout history. And, and I even hear it this week. Many of you are aware that the Pope Francis is visiting in the United States right now. I have been appalled and shocked and at times feel like crying out because of listening to other people, other Christians, lambast the Pope 
for being too political, for speaking about immigrants and foreigners, saying he's getting involved in American politics. He has no business talking about the immigrant. That's not part of the gospel. And my heart breaks. We are listening to a leader of people who are seeking to follow Christ, and yet it is Christians who are the most negative and critical of him. And we're repeating the same pattern. It spins out of there in many ways. If we take this passage seriously, especially the last few words of, of that chapter, I'll read them again just a moment. The Sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. God's word to Israel is the same word to us. My grace is wide. I have a desire to draw all people to myself. How do we hear that word today? How do we respond to that word today? One of the questions that we are led to ask by this text is not who do we include in the body of Christ, but a posture of confession. Who are we excluding from coming to Christ? Who are we saying you're unworthy of being included in God's people? Who are we saying you don't belong? This text drives at that. But it's not just in the big picture, it's also within the body of Christ in terms of how we serve and contribute to each other's well-being. There's an interesting thing that, that Paul does at the end of Romans 16, and I'll, I'll read it in a few moments just so we hear it. But Paul, who, who's been explaining to the Romans this incredible story of God's grace, and, and he lays it out using some of the same experiences and tension that, that Israel kept tripping up over. We have God to ourselves, and you all are excluded. And Paul says, whether we're Jews or we're Gentiles, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one of us who hasn't sinned. We've all turned our backs on God. Yet, all of us are saved by the same grace in Jesus Christ. And he goes on to, to say again and remind the people that, that while we were still God's enemies, essentially, while, while we were living in chapters 1 through 39 of, of Isaiah, Christ died for us. While we were trying to make it on our own and we were rebelling against God and turning against God, Christ came and died for us and reconciled us, not by our goodness or by our works, as he says in Ephesians, but purely by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And so Paul's outlined this all through Romans, and he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters view of God's mercy, looking at, at this middle section of Isaiah, looking at the abundant, lavish grace of God that comes when we don't deserve it and we can't earn it and, and we can't even do anything to keep it. 
Paul says, therefore I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And he goes on to start talking about all the gifts in the body of Christ and how those can be used to build up the body of Christ. But he gets to chapter 16 and he says, I'm going to get specific now. He names Phoebe. And he names all sorts of people. We're going to hear all sorts of names. Some of them we have no clue who they are, and some of them we have been able to, to pretty well figure out who they were because of their role in the church over the, next, over the next years after Paul within Rome. We know some of them served in, royal, uh, in the households of royal officials. We know some of them were simply people who who looked after others and, and took on the role of, of kind of like a, a deacon quietly serving in the background. Paul starts saying, it's not just about me and those who already belong and those who have the certified credentials to be up here. It is about the body of Christ making room for all people to use whatever gift they have to build up the rest of the body of Christ. The foreigner. You were a foreigner just before the train ride, is what Isaiah is saying. You were in a foreign land. You were the foreigner, and I've brought you back and made you part of my people. So therefore, don't exclude the foreigner, but welcome them in. It's as if... Isaiah is also saying, and Paul's picking up on the idea that you too were eunuchs. Your sin had made you impotent to do God's will. You couldn't make life and cause life to flourish on your own. You were dead, a, a dead tree, Isaiah says. No life left in you. And yet I'm bringing you back to the land, you people of God are the eunuchs who without me can have no life. Paul says too in Ephesians chapter 2, you were dead in your sins, but by God's grace you have been made alive in Christ. Do you hear what's happening here? It's not only that, that Paul and, and Isaiah are speaking the same gospel of of. Include others. Make room in God's body for all those you have been pushing away. Make room and call them to come to Christ. But he's saying even within the body of Christ and how you live out this gospel together, make room for everybody to be part of it. Everybody to use their gifts. Everybody to tell their story. Everybody to build up the body of Christ. The church... It's not just those who are paid to be here. The church is not just those who gather here inside these walls on Sunday morning. The church is the people of God gathering together and scattering together. That as we go out, we may build each other up and we may draw people in using whatever gifts we have. Not just to teach Sunday school, which is important but also to work on economics and to work on politics and to raise kids well and to love our neighbors well and to care and be passionate about our environment and take whatever profession you're in to use that and use those gifts to build up the body of Christ and to declare God is good, God is sovereign, God is with us.
want you to hear and listen to Paul as he ends his letter to Romans and listen to the names and the people and the things he starts saying, I want to acknowledge these people for because the body of Christ is being built up through them. I commend to you our sister Phoebe. When they say I commend to you, usually means that the apostle has sent this person as an official uh, representative. So I commend to you Phoebe, a, a deacon of the church. The phrase a deacon of the church is really noticed as an official leader within the church, not, not the de- elder deacon type thing we have today, but it was used more broadly to refer anybody who is in official church leadership. So Phoebe, who's an official church leader, a deacon of the church in Sancria, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Adronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews, who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who, are, who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me. Most scholars believe Rufus there, and there's a whole historical trail on this, but most scholars believe Rufus was the son of Simon Serene who carried the cross of Jesus. There's a whole way of tracking that through other historical documents and early church fathers, but Rufus has now grown up and is a leader in the church in Rome. Greet Asacrinitus, Flagin, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all of the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. You hear what Paul just did there? Paul, Paul acted on this text out of Isaiah. He, he lived it out. He said it's not just the big picture. It is everybody who Christ redeems has a place in the body of Christ to use their skills and gifts so that the good news about Jesus Christ can be spread all over the place. Folks, he hasn't even been to Rome. He's met some of these people along the way as he's writing the letter, but, but he's been listening and he's been hearing and he's been hearing of their faithfulness. 
for us to be the people of God here on the corner of Charlton and Hess and Queen. We need all of us. We need all of us rooted here in this community to be using our gifts and our skills and our expertise to spread the good news of God, not just with our words, but with the way we engage our work and our livelihood outside of these walls the way we care for each other within this community, that we build each other up and that we constantly look for ways to make room and say to one another and to whomever else walks in the room, there is a place in Christ's body for you. We are all one body, and each of you is a part of it. This is God's word to us today. God, we have been called to be stewards and so often we think of that just as stewards of money. But you have given us a treasure in your grace that is so abundant, so high, so deep, so long, so wide, as Paul says, that that we still don't understand the fullness of it. Your grace wraps people in that we never expected to be part of your body. You have even wrapped us in to your story, your love in Jesus Christ. Help us to steward that grace with every gift and skill we have to welcome others and to build them up, to to say your good news to them in the way we treat others, in the way we find ways to allow others' gifts to show forth in your body and encourage people to use their gifts wherever that your grace and your love might be made known throughout the world. Help us not to trip over our own ideas of why we belong and why others don't. By your Spirit, fill us with the abundant joy of your grace and help us to live faithfully. In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen.